0: Day, you can't throw 10 people at a problem you need to build having technology expertise mm-hmm. and products and tools to be able to solve for it
1: covid uh, driven transformation which has suddenly turned a lot of industries a lot more digital than they were prepared to earlier so in some sense uh, the change has come a lot faster than they were prepared for in the rush don't do stuff which is not going to sustain oh, in, in some sense oh, right and and and, and 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 always the unit economics
0: no matter what you do the benchmarks uh, you need to be in control at all times no matter how smart you are with thousand products in Martech as a stack it's very hard to figure out what to use man
1: user engagement and retention is a crucial but least understood aspect of a growing a successful business we are here to change that Hi, this is Ankur. Join me as I dive into conversation with the best and brightest minds, user engagement, to help you navigate the why, what, and how of this subject. Hi, and welcome to yet another episode of the State of Retention Marketing Conversations. Uh, we have here Apoor, been with Webbing Edge for a long enough time to literally see the state of retention marketing evolve over the last, what, eight years now, yep. uh, where we've Mostly started off with a whole bunch of new-age startups and digital players to now having conversations and actually customers with the likes of Unilever, Akasa, and the leagues. Apurv, thank you for doing this and welcome thank to you. the conversation. Thank you for having me, Ankur. Awesome. So, you know, uh, what would be very interesting as a starting point is your macro-level overview on how you've seen this uh, ecosystem in India evolve over the last six, seven years, where the journey where uh, people were you know, with large solutions, with uh, offline and uh, on-premise kind of solutions, to now SaaS, which has become mainstay. So what's yeah. been your observation on how this journey has panned out? Very interesting. Yeah. So I think a lot
0: has happened uh, pre and post-pandemic. Sure. Um, I think we started with a place where when we as WebEngage used to go and pitch our solutions to enterprise legacy businesses, the answer would be a smile and a polite no. And, and from there, I think we've reached a long way where I think we are partnered not only in India, but a lot of other countries with some large legacy players, you know, a uh, couple of them are Fortune 100 companies and Fortune 500 companies as well. Sure. And uh, I think a lot, that says that a lot has changed hmm. overall. Uh, that now, should be both ways. Since yeah. webbing, it a <laughs> in the market, but Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot more openness, to be honest. Like, hmm. um, I think a couple of things to this is that one, I think we started earlier from a place where on-prem solutions were the only way to go hmm. and the data policies across for these large enterprise listed IPO companies and so on and so forth also mm. had to entail because the rules were as such that they could not get on cloud of sorts. Mm. So I think with the AWSs and the um, uh, Google Clouds and Microsofts of the world, we've gotten to a place where I think cloud largely, first of all, is accepted as a piece of technology today. And I think majority people, if not have moved fully from on-prem solutions are either in hybrid mode or have fully moved into a cloud-based system. So I think mm. that was one of the biggest wins because mm. unless a cloud setup can exist, none of us can actually sell to enterprises, I think. Which also led to evolution of data mm. policies mm. and acceptances and so many other things. Which brings me to the fact that when when we started pitching in uh, to the big big boys or the big guys, uh, we realized that they, they were used to branded solutions I'd put it as right brands that were used by generations largely were multi country and very very large setups which created this products. and majority of these companies came from the US sure. right some of these were Fats, as I would say I think a lot has changed from there I think it took a, one is I think with a lot of fundraising and a lot of startups coming in like us a lot of problems uh were not only being sold in a more user-friendly way but also a lot of point solutions were happening and a lot of them majority of them were on cloud actually and I think not just us but a lot of other solutions going into some of these ecosystems helped products like us get into the cloud-based, uh, cloud-based product, get into such ecosystems as well. So I think uh, three things that come to my mind, I think the cloud acceptance, the data policy, And I think also the talent that started going in these organizations, Um, a lot of trickle has started to happen from, um, you know, modern tech oriented startups and mid-sized companies to uh, these companies, when they started to digitize, because they did not have any kind of digital talent. And that talent largely came from smaller setups. There was talent, I wouldn't say, but it took some time for the, at least the senior talent was there. I think the people underneath the doers, and the users, I think, was largely taken from some of these new-age companies, Amazons of the world and so many others. Of
1: sorts. Sure, so you have a Mukesh Bansal now leading Tata Digital in that sense, 100%. right? I mean, that's as uh, credible an example as it can get in terms of how oh, traditional companies are now looking 100%. at serious And also,
0: uh, another Bansal doing uh, Navi Technologies, which sure. is now probably a and new guy new, getting into an old new business into so You see the
1: uh, both ways sort of uh, interchange happening so the people transformation I think is the most, uh, one of the more interesting parts of this component and i love to double-click there. So what has changed in terms of the kind of questions uh, solutions like Web Engage would be asked back then to, you know, the period in between and now in that sense, because uh, these guys are not low, new to technology, they're digital natives in that sense. Do you encounter a lot of such people now in the world and uh, in the world that we operate in and is the questions a lot more penetrating hard compared to what they were before? I think when they earlier,
0: when people came, we went to people. I don't think people came to us. Um, that I would, it would be wrong on my part. No matter how much inbound marketing you did and how much uh, branding that you did, I think we really made, as a tech startup, we really connected with other tech sort of companies or new age startups. But when it came to the legacy business, the real question earlier was who are you? I think that's how sure. pre, pretty much it was. Yeah. There was two reasons for this, I think. One, they were very happy in their own world. Yeah. And two, I think uh, these were two different worlds altogether and there was no correlation of sorts, mm. right? Exchange of talent to this thing and so on. And so forth. I think with time, apart from talent, I think the way of viewing business has also changed, right? And I think I was reading this definition somewhere. I think the real innovation basically is actually bringing the cost of technology mm. down over a period of time so that the technology can be used by a wider audience of sorts, right? So I think at one point in time, you know, your CDPs and marketing automation systems were unaffordable by the larger strata of population altogether. All they could do is these small, um, uh, long tail, easy to use, very, very um, restrictive, uh, I won't even say tools, they were like, you know, smaller versions of tools and uh, that's what people would use with credit card payments to do these small pieces of sorts right and also what you'd realize is one of the very interesting observations that i had was when we went to some of these large organizations uh you know there are these large budgets and these managers have you know with various layers some of these managers have small budgets as well which are more credit card operated right so you could buy probably a 200 dollar or a 100 dollar tool or uh, to solve for a problem that you found critical without having to make a lot of pit explanation across, mm. and you could pull that out from your budget, right? So the point was, what was happening is that a lot of these tools, whatever inefficiencies that they carried, right, as product suites and so on and so forth, from let's say user ability, user, um, you know, UI, or maybe triggering of certain kind of emails in a certain way, you know, push push notifications and so on and so forth, right? They were either using freemium tools to overcome those parallelly with these tools mm. or they were paying these cheap tools to get some of these things done because they were not very happy with the way the others were functioning while you're paying for this you're paying a million dollar for this huge ass product but the reality is you're using a freemium tool to solve an edgy problem that they that this product can't solve
1: so of patch some, works in some sense. patch works in some way right
0: but all a lot of this was happening so i think over a period of time what has changed i think that's where i would like to come back to is that I think one, um, overall, the ecosystem of startups across the world from a technology has taken um, a huge uh, up and there's so many of them now solving so many nice, cool-ass things. Hmm. And people are... Because some people or a lot of people have seen some success Hmm. with these technology, right? Like if you paid 100 bucks to solve a problem and I could solve the same problem in a much easier way in 20 bucks who would not want it right everybody wants to optimize for it now that you've seen those cycles I think openness to listen to some of these things have increased quite a lot I think which gives us a foot in the door to talk about what we're doing Hmm. and I think it doesn't come from a space where they're judging or first trying to figure out whether what we're saying is the truth or not. they listen to Fair us enough. for what we bring on table. Absolutely, hmm. they'd like to do a POC or they would like to do, you know, like to talk to our customers, like to go through an RFI or RFP process, which is a process that they do any which ways. But Something's I think the openness change. is there to listen to what we have to show. And there's a belief system that, hey, you know what, mid-size, small to mid companies with credible founders and teams can actually solve large problems at a competent cost as well. That, possibility exists
1: you know uh, switching to the audience which is let's say early adopters in most generations you will have a few people who are savvier with their technology adoption with the new stuff that's happening and there'll be People within the most traditional organization will be probably playing with the AI tools that are coming in you know, as of today. So in our uh, understanding or in your observation of the ecosystem where people have been front runners with respect to adoption of new technology, new tools, uh, the whole world of digital transformation is a broad topic. You have elements in marketing, you have elements in supply chains, you have lots of those elements. Right? Yep. People are doing bits and pieces. So one of the things we've also seen is uh, there are, let's say, large organizations with multiple departments and multiple N2 folks within these orgs who will kind of go figure the budget and get something for themselves Hmm. and at the end of a couple of years you have like a large org with 20 different things running in 20 different parts of the organization all ultimately solving for the same problem but not talking to each other at a system level, tool level, data level. Right. And you know and when this is now evolving into become a more unified approach as an organization Hmm. this is kind of where uh, the components you break retention down into right there's data unification, there is user profiling, there is one view of the customer, there is a lot of those components which add up to a great user engagement strategy like the data lakes for example. Right, So in terms of the leadership maturity, in terms of what how they have wanting to put a certain amount of pressure slash, uh, I would say, priority on unification of all of these siloed efforts, how have you seen that evolve? Wow, yeah,
0: great question actually. I think the way the world is moving overall is I think some people are, a uh, lot of these large enterprises are naturally going from offline businesses to online. or to the omni channel strategy, right? Mm. And when I say omni channel strategy, I don't intend to say that, hey, you know what, they're having an extension to buy online. What I mean that there is one central customer in that ecosystem and he might decide to, he or she might decide to discover offline, buy online, discover online, buy offline. And that varied sort of an experience, right? And everything in terms of product, tech, system, organization, people, everything end-to-end operations has to align to it of sorts, right? Right. And when this change started happening, right, like, you know, I realized initially people were building tech, which was like, hey, you know what, we'll do the offline ecosystem. will have its own digitization and modernization and we will probably from ground zero or scratch build a tech ecosystem. Hmm. I think that's where they started from because sure. they did because to be honest, people who were building the offline world had no, no or not much clue at that point of time mm. of the online world and I don't think online people had a good idea of, of the offline world. So obviously because of the talent, the exposure, the kind of use cases, the kind of case studies in the ecosystem, whether we were big guys, small guys and so on, and so forth, didn't exist as much. But what has over a period of time happened is that everybody's realized that these can't be two, they are two pillars of the same uh, you know, house or a building and so on, and so forth. they're not two different Buildings as such, right? Mm. So, if they're the same pillars, even if one is weaker, the building or the house will, house of cards, will fall off, right. right? And hence, I think the concept of data lake, the concept of unified customer view has suddenly become not suddenly, actually, for a long time. It's a big problem to solve, right? Because mm. There's so much legacy data and so much legacy tool, people, processes in place that it's not. You can't one day switch off and switch on, right? Mm. Like, it takes a while. There is change management, people, perspectives, and so on and so forth. So I think over a period of time, people have realized that this is, this is one, right? Mm. You can have various people managing some projects and pieces, but the overall journey is one. And I think mm. in last, I would, I would at least from an India standpoint, last five years, the amount of people that have been trying to build their own data lakes, their data internal data truths from an omni-channel standpoint, bringing in CDP systems sure. to, you know, CDP uh, law profile systems have been there for so long. Sure. Right? CDP is more of a modern term, but, uh, you know, and 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 what they've realized, what I see now is that, you know, there are some definitions of CDP, right? Or CDP expectation of a, uh, an FSI versus a CDP expectation of an automobile is, is uh, very, very different and mm. not necessarily a product can solve for it as well. So, there are different challenges as well. But I think from a overall standpoint one I think unification data lake and you know central profile building is a key to anything and everything um, not and the, some projects of chain management you know I not a large bank has been working with Mackenzie for like three years to sort this problem so a large problems is like millions of dollars being thrown at these problems. their complexities are very very uh, challenging to solve right now this scope of peace you know from uh, uh, From a because there's some people who've solved it, some people are solving it. So, I think talent overall from that standpoint is now there, both from an engineering, from a leadership, from a vision, from a data sciences standpoint. And as you rightly said, right now, AI and ML on top is becoming more successful as yesterday because the data availability, the centralization Mm -hmm. is more. And so, the effectiveness of products like us on top of some of these things is also much better of sorts.
1: We uh, zoomed into the part where leadership and prioritization from the top is important. You mentioned there's some bank working with a large consulting firm to solve this problem. But this is, India has a few hundred banks, right? And there'll be different stages of maturity curve with respect to adoption of these things. But typically, what tends to happen in the world of technology is what seems rocket science today. In a couple of years, it becomes common knowledge and that's how the world evolves. Right? So the guy who's really at the front of the charge, how is he looking at the world? And you mentioned this whole AI ML. Of course, that's a new fancy buzzword. But, Uh, there are real applications which are now helping matters in terms of decisioning in terms of customer impact in terms of unification. So, how is the most assertive or aggressive front runner of the equation solving some of these topics?
0: So, I think everybody has understood that uh, you know, like uh, earlier specifically in developing countries like India we used to throw people at solving our problems and I think that is changing you know, because the uh, cost of talent in countries like us is also increasing and this is great. I'm glad that's happening and it should happen further. Sure. I think that is bringing in that, hey, you know what, today you can't throw 10 people at a problem. You need to build, have in technology expertise hmm. and products and tools to be able to solve for it. And with that, what is, I think as a problem, uh, what is happening is it makes automation even more important today. right? Hmm. And I think, uh, a lot of these products and tools are coming to optimize for a couple of things. One, I think they're trying to dehumanize some of this stuff. Sure. Uh, they're not trying to replace anybody, but they're trying to dehumanize some stuff. They're trying to automate from improving the time efficiency parameter and the cost efficiency parameter on some of these things. Mm-hmm. And I think to get there, unless we have some kind of data science and learning, right, the real automation can't happen. right? Uh, if you are sitting behind, if you're using a product and that again, the same 10 people sitting behind a fancy dashboard, To do the same thing that they did beyond a fancy dashboard is in my head not automation, right? So you need to bring in some of that data sciences, AI, and ML to actually solve some of those use cases at a scale, and then also bring back the learnings because, as you rightly said, right? What today, what's true today, might not be true tomorrow, and Mm -hmm. might be journal learning, and you need to do more things beyond that also
1: let's just say that this is a large organization. They are in a digital transformation journey across their entire uh, set of functions. And this CMO today, and there's a CDO today, and there's a CIO today, and there's a CTO today as well. There are different stakeholders of the same person. They're all charged with leading the organization forward. And they tend to have their own viewpoints and their own needs and their own expectations, their own uh, anchor points on where they look at that lens from, right? right? What's the most critical difference you've observed uh, in their outlooks in that sense? So I think... um, uh,
0: let me say this that i think um only in a very large organizations do i see these uh, the digital problem or the omni-channel problem being divided between cio cdo mm-hmm. cmo and you know and cso and so many others CO sure. can also play a role depending yeah. on what the problem is uh, i don't think in in an average organization even in the large legacy world mm-hmm. this these many people sit at one problem as sure. i said everybody's trying to now optimize uh, you know, you've seen the amount of firings that have happened in the last couple of months and the amount of people who are laid off and, you know, suddenly there are people who worked in an org, large orgs for 10 years and, you know, like suddenly not a part of those org, right? And mm. they've been, perform- some of them have been great performers as well, but mm. it's not about them. Sometimes it's about the fact that do we actually need that amount of people to solve for the same problem? Mm. So I think everybody's optimizing and, uh, you know, I've heard Tata, uh, you know, running a very large sized company to now Tata actually running some of these functions in a very different way Mm. which is right not tata like from that standpoint right Mm. um, uh, in india and so on so forth so bring coming back to this is i think one not every organization has this sort of a skill set always available to solve these Mm. problems one Mm. two there are absolutely some very very large organizations and again as you rightly said right it also depends on who's at what stage of the problem and also how fast do we need to solve the problem you know if we started late we're already behind. We might be the top organization now. I have to throw, throw more people and more budgets and pe- product and products at solving the same problem, right? Sure. So some, one other parameter is this. Mm. But having said so, in case there were these many people who existed, I think a CMO today is still looking at larger marketing PNM mm-hmm. uh, for for him or her. I think it's still more customer centric. As compared to, is the customer online? Can I push my customer online versus offline and Mm. so many other things of sorts? Yeah, absolutely. If I can solve an experience uh, and make it frictionless and bring something, a service to a customer at home, uh, because it solves for a lot of cost and experience and some of the other issues, I will be on my priority. But I'm not trying to ship my offline customer to online, preferably of sorts. Mm. That's how I see it. Uh, A CEO largely is with a digital mandate right mm. his mandate is to digitize he is there sure. on your pnl to say that whatever from a company efficiency from a cost efficiency from an experience efficiency from a time efficiency or whatever needs to be digitized should be digitized whether it be from a customer experience or an internal experience standpoint that's how i see a uh, uh, cio i think cio largely looks at the information and data aspect of things And sometimes it's coupled with security aspect of things. And some CIOs also work with CFOs on cost aspects of things. So I think sometimes CIO is that guy who's supposed to be the guy who knows it all from a data security, data, separately Mm -hmm. data sciences and stuff, security. And, you know, the modern trends of automation and uh, modernization and so on. So that's how I see the CIO. But again, can be used in different ways. And the last guy I think is the... Uh CTO, I think is a very key sort of member mm. apart from CISO and you know other guys. CTO, I think I think for CTO it's largely about maintaining the current tech stack. The stack that is, you know, on whatever we've been talking ultimately is tech and sure. someone has to build, scale, modernize and optimize it. I think CTO largely is trying to look at two things. I think one is the cost at mm. which he's operating his stack, whether it be people and all the technologies associated and obviously some bit of security around it. Um, the efficiency of the stack, the error, the issue, the upgradation and so, on and so forth and optimizing from that standpoint. And mm. obviously all of this links into the business goals somewhere or the other. Mm, but I think course. he's looking at it from that angle. So sometimes what happens is having too many people there's a lot of conflict as well, which because, is because which is it. what slows it down
1: as well, right? Which is what I was going to zoom into that, uh, you know, somebody is going to need to be very aggressively pushing this charter down uh, the road because otherwise they'll just get stuck in internal Absolutely. tussles in some sense, right? Absolutely. Because people have different priorities and it's so not like they have a vested interest in keeping the status quo, but they also have different priorities on how they look at that uh, evolution of uh, technology stacks, right? And hence, uh, I was going to zoom into the part where uh, is a CDO typically leading the charter on all of this digital transformation? And let's zoom into the whole consumer business side of things where there is going to be likely a digital interface with the customer. It could be a transactional interface, an e-commerce platform. Could just be an engagement interface like where there's a lot of content, and a lot of discovery happening, but the transactions still happen in an offline fashion. So in that kind of ecosystem where you have all sorts of consumer goods companies, you have all sorts of fashion companies, you have all sorts of apparel companies or footwear companies and all of these guys having a web presence, both on marketplaces as well as on their digital platforms. And they are now trying to get aggressive with that side of things as well. So either they will be bringing in uh, new people to run these charters or they will be reskilling some of the existing people to run these charters. And some of them uh, are successful, some of them not so much. Some of them have actually been giant blunders as well, right? right? So in your assessment of what's the playbook been, which has been, you know, a definitive, let's say, set of things that you must do while trying to try to drive this charter. What are those, uh, you know, key bullet points, you know, at a people level, corporate strategy level, technology choices level? So I think
0: I am a huge believer of OKRs and I think OKRs and project management tools do wonders in mm. complicated uh, structures, and I know people who don't believe in them, but I do uh, broadly kind of believe in such structures. Having said so, I think in a complicated org where there are multiple uh, heavyweight stakeholders and bringing their own perspectives, yes, you're right that if not aligned, a lot of this could lead in conflict and some of two, three years of, uh, you know, an average two, three year large executive experience. Uh, or a tenure could lead to end outcome being nothing. So you've pumped in all the money and all the great minds together, but if they can't function together, the end result is going to be zero, right? Let's take an assumption for the org, which is a retail org or whatever you're talking about without naming any company, assuming that they are legacy in nature and their enterprise in nature, which means they are moving, they're upgrading their legacy offline ecosystems and getting into an omni-channel mode and building their digital ecosystems. First thing, I think CDO and CTO become the one of the major people, because most offline, most legacy organizations are moving from offline, upgrade, moving towards offline upgradation of their technology of the offline business and building their online pieces. And in that piece, I think, and then connecting these from a unified view standpoint. Mm. So I think you've hired a CDO because he understands the digital world better. So I think that he becomes, he or she becomes one of the main key stakeholders. And then we have the CTO because you need someone to build a stack for you, and it is technology, sure. and not only build but scale, mm-hmm. upgrade, maintain, and so on and so forth, right? So I think these two guys, do people become I think one of the most important pieces um, now in terms of handling the project of this digitization and modernization or whatever you'd like to call this? I think CTO play should be the owner, ideal owner of the project because I think. Sometimes CDO is the CMO and CMO is the CDO. And I'm going to make a controversial statement here again that sometimes I think CDOs are sometimes hired when CMOs are not as digitally aware and inclined, and mm. that inefficiency is solved by a CDO. Ideally, in, in an ideal case scenario, the CMO should be able to do both ways of sort.
1: Yeah, so, this is an interesting point, and let's zoom into this a little bit. You know, yeah. the sole subject is called MarTech, which is oh. a big part of how digital marketing spends have evolved. There's a lot yeah. of Technology data play in motion there, and then there is all of this first-party data-led work that we do on webbing edge, and similar uh, platforms, right? So a typical CMO today uh, is come from a 20-year experience with doing a lot of work on brand building, Mm -hmm. on creative advertising, a lot of market research. So it's not like he's not smart; he's a smart guy, but Mm -hmm. he'll still end up not being a digital native compared to what uh, a you know CMO for a traditional new age company, like you know whatever young startup today is. So for him, uh, you're saying it's almost mandatory if he wants to be relevant tomorrow to kind of understand this ecosystem and be a better learner. Oh, 100%. And there's no looking away from it. There's no looking away. And if he's a smart guy, he'll either solve for it himself or he'll hire a CDO or equivalent to kind of cover that gap in his life. 100%. Hmm. And uh, now, you know, also on that side, because this is an early adopter and he wants to be, let's say, a tech-savvy guy with uh, a choosing solutions, the way the new economy has played out and there are all of these solution providers is about... I think I'm a few thousand martech companies around in the ecosystem, right? And each of them has a certain promise, a certain uh, scope of work, a certain scope of impact that they claim, right? But there are handshake points, and there are strength areas, there and there are not so strength areas. Mm-hmm. For a smart guy to be able to understand that, how do I assemble my stack? Because I could jolly well buy like a branded solution that you know my studies have bought, and there are uh, top ranking solutions globally, or I could do a you know slightly more curated or intelligent job based on my unique needs and my uh, unique roadmaps. Right, And I mean, am I subjected to a lot of hard selling by somebody who claims to be smart or do I have some sort of a playbook of my own to orchestrate a great job here? How do you break this down? So I think if you look at how
0: traditionally the software has been bought, um, uh, when very big and large calls are taken, I think there are two people who play a very big role in um, buying and deploying of software or digitization. One is guys like Forrester and Gartner, where some of these, uh, on some of these quadrants where these, uh, you know, uh, winners are listed, right, depending on which state they are, I'm not going into quadrants, but you know, some of these uh, larger, uh, or legacy or old age software companies are listed. And then you have your SIs, right, people, system integrators who manage some of your projects, right, Mm -hmm. end to end along with you, because not every time for if you have a three year project, you don't want to scale up your org to a certain level, higher and fire. So you manage and get an external agency and you might not, as you rightly said, have all the digital competencies, sure. all the competence competencies that you need, right? Mm. Competencies that you need. Having said so, um, one interesting trend that is changing very fast mm. is that if you look at it from a 10, 15 year back, you would hardly see any startup on some of these contents. And today, zoom in and you'll see a l- probably some of the leaders and challengers uh, being some of... Sure. Categories in Martech in, in the market, mm, space, mm. some of these thousand products that you talk about, some of these new age products as 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 you know uh, products who have not been there for even a decade and so, so that's one aspect of thing. The second point is that even with the SIs right, earlier the SIs were only working with enterprise grade or legacy software right, and. Uh, Today, everybody works with mid-size to large startups as well. Hmm. They're willing to work with modern technologies even if they're not so startup. So that is one big thing that has changed, uh, which is bringing in the change that we need to see, right? Now, everybody today, um, one no matter how smart you are with 1,000 products in MarTech as a stack, it's very hard to figure out what to use, man. Mm. It's not easy, right? It's, it's, I think, the hardest decision because for sure. every problem or every scope of work or domain, you have probably 15 products competing, very similar overlaps, very sort of thing. And you're like, hey, what should I choose? Is it because of support? Is it because of something that they do? And uh, everybody has competitive costs. You know, like you know, like today, um, uh, you don't have to pay a million dollars to do Martech problems solutions. You can do it in a couple of hundred thousand dollars. If you were at a scale of sorts, right, with support, with, um, with, with, uh, with customization and so many other things of sorts, right. Uh, so that's one. Right. Mm. Two is I think um, traditionally with change in this these two quadrants and the way buying and perception has changed and the SI is changing and partnering now with modern age startups as well and they also and also overall a mandate mm. on some of these larger organizations to solve some of these problems at more cost effective. Faster, cost-effective, and if because they can't afford to lose on time, because someone else, which is parallelly working in the same domain, might move ahead them and they might lose from a customer, from a market share, hmm. from digitization, experience handling, and so on. So. so there, there is the time is a challenge. Cost, you have to be more cost-effective. There, eh? um, three, I think you can't hire as many people that you did in the past. A problem as well in general, sure. right? So now with these competencies coming in, some of these inputs are. Also filtered down to SIs, and they mm. have to also work in this manner, which brings in people like us or so many other modern-age startups who or technology companies were getting in much faster. Vis-a-vis the earlier products that they used, they would buy let's say a stack of Adobe or a stack of Salesforce, and just all the underlying technologies work similar technologies, complementing technologies, or company of the same company of mm. source. Right? So you would buy one stack. And you'd solve probably five. Diff- you'll have five different modules, and the whole cloud will be deployed. Mm. It will probably take three years, four years to deploy that cloud mm. in the fullest way, and it'll take a lot of training. You might even have to hire external agency at an extra cost, or work with the SI to actually keep running it as well, right? Mm. So costs were high, time took took time, and again, they were brilliant products, and they are brilliant products. But not all of the sub modules are the best of the league, right? There are better challenges, better products today at a better cost available underneath. I think this change both on Quadrant and the SIS side of the business has led to people looking for specific products to solve point problems and trying to figure out a way to integrate. That's where the data lakes of the world and your CDPs and some of these technologies or you know even pipes and technologies like which are infrastructure which actually pulls in direct to some of these technologies have taken the center seat. Hmm. So today, which was unheard of probably a 10 years back, sure. or even five years back to be honest in India at least, that uh, you know probably a top airline or a top automobile company or a top FSI, BFSI or a FSI company would never touch point technologies. Right? They would go in only for cloud because that's what their predecessors used. What the, that's what the quadrant shows. That what that's what the SIs told them. So naturally, they believed and in they it would and never they, they, would never, they would not want to get fired for this. right? You don't want to get fired for a wrong choice of product and pay so much money and then realize you, know, you made a big mistake. And not only do you get fired, but you get tagged in a way across ecosystem and the ecosystem is small, mm-hmm. right? Eventually, as higher as you go and so on so forth. So now people are willing to use, uh, with very open minds, you know, newer age technologies which talk to each other and integrate. So rather than using a mm-hmm. product I would use probably for in, from a marketing interview, Marketing automation standpoint, I'd use a campaign management tool with, let's say, a chatbot to a, let's say, a you know a, a e-commerce platform underneath a different a specialized underneath inventory platform to, let's say, you know uh, what would you say a, a separate product analytics platform hmm. to you know so many GA and so many others right so you all see? of this could collectively form your stack today, and you might use better uh, point solutions, more user friendly, smarter, cheaper easier to deploy and still do more than what a one, po- one large cloud or a solution could do for you right so that's i think where we've come in and why we've come in there, of sorts.
1: You know, so the interesting parallel I see on this one is uh, there was a time when there used to be these expensive pre-assembled computers from large brands like hewlett Packard and Compaq and all of that. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the smart college kids would just go to, you know, one of these shops and they'll pick up individual components and assemble computer. their configuration. Yeah. So, the best of gaming experience would actually not be on the branded systems. Oh, 100%. percent it end up being on these assembled systems. You could you, you could just do, do a better graphics card or one of those things or better RAM, right, for right. that matter. And, you uh, I mean that's what he was seem to be suggesting. No, no today, a uh, by the way, let me to let, and not let me give you an example. Actually, assembly. I have
0: recently bought a new Mac, and I upgraded the RAM and my hard disk right on buying it. Even mm. Apple is today forced to do it. In fact, I was speaking to someone today, and they told me that um, uh, you know uh, very different from what we're saying right now. But even on the servicing side, right, uh, companies like Apple earlier were used to either you were on warranty or you'd have to replace the whole thing there was no part spare part repair part that was Mm. given to you but and if it was it was only given in retail to certain selected priority Mm. service centers that they did Mm. now globally it's not just happened in India but globally happen is opening up spare part business to other people so that the servicing could be better and so on. so. So I'm saying that <laughs> Interesting, you, Ana, are, you are forced today by the way the world is moving hmm. to do some of those things. And I think it hmm. is quite in the interest of the consumer because we are spoiled hmm. for choices and we are the one, it is democracy for us rather than being an autocracy.
1: Sure. So you know, what we're in effect saying is the confidence in these new age tools has become better thanks to some recognition from oh, the analyst ecosystem. It's yep. also some level of validation and success which uh, these tools have delivered. And a lot of hard work, yeah. Of course, uh, that, that goes uh, <laughs> in, in, in the play as well. But would be in effect saying is a savvy CMO or a savvy CEO today will operate in an integrated technology data uh, kind of fashion, have an underlying data lake in place, but not get tied down to a single complex ecosystem 100%. which you can't get out of, which does not talk to other things.
0: Also it gives them an added advantage to actually replace a point solution if it goes wrong versus yeah. staying back with the whole product because now I have to live with the inefficiencies as well. So if I smartly mm. integrate. If you're not doing well for me, I can actually replace you with someone else in a point solution form. And there's a lot of threat on both sides. Right? This I can interesting. You, you know, like so. uh,
1: on one side, this makes the problem of setup more complex. okay, so I have to make sure everything talks to everything. At the same CTO time, it's keeping all it. CDO all no? <laughs> becomes, becomes a more important person. <laughs> it also means that every uh, vendor that I'm working with remains on his toes because he doesn't have like a secure space that this account is settled and I can. Oh, 100%, 100%, 100%. Right, because they have to be that much more agile to make sure they're solving that problem the best in their category. 100%. If they end up being outrun by somebody else, they will still be at risk. Of and this replacing. is not just the nuance. I think
0: a lot of people have started doing this because of a lot of people have suffered as well. Right, hmm. like uh, I'm not saying all legacy and uh, uh, big products. Some of them are kick-ass products and they've built in a billion dollar business. It's not a joke, right? So with all due respect to them, I think, but some of the because of monopolistic markets earlier, Hmm. some of these people have suffered heavily. Sure. Right? So now, they find this as a more safer and a secure and a relieved way of working, right? Hey, you know what? I would replace this if you don't work with me, right? Like, Mm. if you don't work with me and working, mean might not just be delivering, right? It's also about how you are further building your technology, your 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 roadmap, your R&D and so on and so forth, Mm. right? You might be a great product today, but it's also about what happens across next five years. You listen to my needs, demands Mm. and so many Mm -hmm. other things, right? Mm -hmm. And also building and deploying and scaling on cloud is so much easier, right? And so much more efficient of sorts.
1: So in some sense, we're saying it's not a safe enough choice anymore to choose one of the larger solutions and kind of settle it down for a three-year project. Uh, you need to be so. agile. Gartner says so. Yeah. So, <laughs> back up over this, right? so and you know, from an agility perspective, from a flexibility perspective, from a cost control perspective, it okay. seems to be a savvier thing to do to kind of assemble your own great system which does value for you, right? So we spoke about this whole uh, choice looking a little different, the whole confidence in the new economy uh, solutions, the whole… Ability to kind of assemble different solutions which come together and talk to each other nicely. But one of the biggest puzzles that still remains in the space of MarTech or, you know, zooming into the part of uh, technology and data and marketing ends up being value delivery and time to value. So, from a people's perspective, uh, the supply of talent in that ecosystem is still early days. I don't think it's a super, super mature ecosystem where there's a lot of people available to do these things. So, you know, do you upskill people? Do you bring in new people? Do you use SIs? Uh, Do you kind of depend on external consultants? What's been the most effective playbook in your understanding?
0: So there is no one size fit for all again. Of course. Complex world, large world, complicated world. Uh, history and modern age coming together. So it's not easy for sure. Uh, I think the way I see this as is that, uh, you know, earlier uh, and it's funny. I find it very funny. I don't know how others find it. That in my head, when definition of a product is that makes your life easier and probably in some way dehumanizes the amount of people doing this mm-hmm. right because hey you know what mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, 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 but but you're know, coming back to this is that you know when the legacy or enterprise grade products are sold i can understand the complication of deploying the product but f- to run the product and deliver value it you need in spite of having a lot lar- like you know large organizations have large departments and large teams right Like some of the departments are bigger than the size of our entire org, right? Like, you know, marketing could be bigger than that, depending on the size of the org. So I'm saying there is no dearth of human resource and money to Hmm. internally build team and a knowledge strength Hmm. around it, right? Like, or a center of excellence for as you call it, right? But in spite of that, the product was so hard to use and complicated to use. Some of them are still very hard to use for such silly problems um, that you have to have an external partner to run these products. You bought a product, you paid a billion dollars, you paid another million dollars to deploy it. Now you need an external agency to actually run the product as well. So mm. I think in a way it's counterintuitive to what product stands for, mm. right? Like that's how yeah. I see it. I don't know if everybody sees it that manner or not. But having said so, with the modern aid technologies coming in becoming lightweight, cloud uh, heavy, right? Like uh, you know, most modern technologies till last five, six years, either offered a hybrid or a, a, a um, l- at least in the larger org, who are on the on-prem model. Hmm. You know, like Adobe's, I think about three years back said, we're killing all our on-prem solutions and we only do cloud. You know, that's how it went, right? Like hmm. and I can give similar examples to all the other sure. big software companies as well, right? So coming now to the modern technologies being lighter, more user-friendly and so on and so forth. One, can the internal talent be trained? The answer is yes. Okay. Um, And uh, a lot of these organizations, while have account managers servicing uh, the larger orgs from a, so, you know, from an OEM standpoint, OEM's account manager is servicing probably the customer. But I think the product can now be run internally if there is a, mandate from the mm. top to do it. Now, it depends on what kind of leader you are in so
1: and so on forth. Would you uh, lead this into the whole consumerization of uh, technology interfaces oh, 100%. because the UI UX focus of these guys is very different from the UI UX focus 100%. of the other guys. Works. And is I, that, I think uh, also the
0: way they are designing and solving these problems um, and the depth that they're going to now because of them being a lot of point solutions and not trying to solve. So mm. they are trying to solve not only point but large problems as well, but mm. slowly and uh, different ways of evolution. But my point being is you're right. right? It is consumerization, right? Like one, um, there is a dearth of tech talent and talent as compared to earlier available and they're more uh, friendly with the usage of these products and tools. One, point number two is that uh, the talent, there's a lot of of opportunity to upskill some of these things, right? Like how could you upskill yourself if you didn't know, is there a space and a place where you can go and get go like, a lot of ed tech companies offer free courses now, right? Like you could go to Coursera. Sure. If mm. not, if you don't know what you don't know, you could do a Google 360 course sure. at a certain low value cost, right? So mm. if you not know this fully, but at least on a, on a, on a, from a theoretical standpoint, you could know a product without even using a product or right? Yeah, so so, so p- one aspect is that. If I zoom
1: from a leader's standpoint on how does he deliver the most value or extract the most value once he's bought whatever complicated stack or, you know, whatever, I would say, well-assembled stack he's done, uh, what you're saying is there's enough room to upscale people. Uh, these tools are user-friendly enough, so they don't need a lot of, let's say, you know, massive upgradation compared to what other tools might have needed. to start. Correct. And beyond this, you know, what is it that you've seen good guys do in some sense, right? How do they, like, make sure that they're uh, extracting the most? So, I
0: think people have realized that if they don't build center of excellence inside, and so large orgs will have two-year attrition cycles. That's how they work people will come and go but the challenge is that if you don't have decent center of excellences around these internally mm. and they're not trained people or multiple people trained on some of these things as a stack then the handshake might be quite hard and knowledge transfers quite be hard you can't alone be dependent on people outside I think people are slowly realizing this mm. and because they have the cost budgets and you know like hey you know what I can do a lot more training sessions if I'm a part of a larger org as compared to a startup and so on. because sure. the money spent on L&D and is huge and among the side and also, it is a good retention strategy. If I train and upskill my people, they try to tend to be more loyal than me than just offering them where they were and just waiting for a promotion or a money hike to come in there. Right? So it is, and I think, millennials, which are the now, or actually Gen Z, not even millennials, and Gen Z are the major workforce today. Mm. And this is how they see career growth and perspective and so on and so forth, right? So one, 100% democratization. Two, I think um, the ta- there is a shift of trying to run some of these products because they are more user-friendly and easy to use internally. Obviously, there is still need of support and sometimes dearth of support. Again, very leader mm-hmm. or a org-oriented pieces. But can you live in a place where with just the tech support or a minimized sort of support, could you run a product or a series of products on a stack alone? Internally, mm-hmm. the answer is yes. With probably a year or two of handshake and training and so on so forth, mm-hmm. depending on how big product is and how complicated it is if
1: we're saying that you know the openness to invest in the human capital side of things uh the openness exists the need is Uh not insane so compared to what probably the amount of training and effort needed earlier compared to that it's i would say relatively faster cheaper easier to train people on sound of new age tech as that's that's correct establishing so what in effect you're trying to say is the
0: newest tech is actually building its own training and certification program across oh, sure. the base because like, they want adoption. You want adoption, right? Like and and, and people like that, right? Like mm. like today, age is listed like AWS and some any other in, mm. in some mm. of the certification or training pieces, mm. and people do apply or get jobs depending on that. And that's not just about us. There's so many other products that I know where people mm. have listed. There are mm. products. There are uh, you know um, uh, you know there could be you know your point uh, solutions for your logistics and, you know, some of those other things, people are mentioning some of these as competencies while being hired in the large or mid-sized or smaller orgs. So yeah, it's changing. Fair enough.
1: So this is um, interesting. You know, in the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned something about the COVID-driven uh, transformation, which has suddenly turned a lot of industries a lot more digital than they were prepared to earlier. So in some sense, uh, the change has come a lot faster than they were prepared for. Correct. Right? And, and, and that means... A lot of things. That means that suddenly they have a digital first approach to a lot of things. They have a digital interface with their customers. And the teams have had to look at uh, advertising platforms on the internet more than they've done before. Mm. Their allocation of spends on marketing have suddenly had a different mix. Now the digital spends are much more than they were just a couple of years back, right? And that's a steep shift that has happened. Now in that ecosystem, lots of uh, speed also translated into a bunch of mistakes. Right. People went super aggressively on some fronts. They built things for the digital frontier, uh, but they also made mistakes. And some of these became very, very large failure points. Do you want to talk about some of those stories without of course naming somebody, but you know, where you've seen failure points, okay, if you don't do this, right. This is what will happen. So I think, um, so two parts to this one,
0: I want to say when often people confuse digitization or digital ecosystem with the customer facing ecosystem, Mm -hmm. right? When you say digitization. It also means internal org digitization. Sure. Because you need strong technology on the, uh, you know, on your uh, what do you say foundation to be able to deliver smarter and more efficient and more user-friendly customer experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. That customer wow can't come without the. You
1: need a strong inventory management system at the warehouse to be able to offer a great. Oh, hundred delivery. Brilliant yeah, example. Sure. Right? I think you just. Couldn't have said it better
0: of sorts, right? So one, the digitization means both side digitization. And when COVID kicked in, I think while everybody saw the digitization on the consumer side, I think the I think the five X digitization happening internally because this couldn't exist as you rightly sure. said without that, right? Hmm. So that's one aspect of the hmm. thing. The second aspect of the things is that uh, in terms of uh, the consumer, uh, uh, in in terms of you know uh, your
1: sorry, your question was customer facing aspect sort of things. Customer facing. So the customer is facing aspect of things, people accelerated their digital journey. Correct. So the mistakes. Right? The fast, mistakes yeah. Yeah. Hmm. We've had mistakes.
0: So in terms of the mistakes, right. So I'd say that, you know, because specifically in COVID, right, everybody had never seen something like this in a long time, right? La- the last reference was of a Spanish flu, which was probably hundreds of years yeah. back, right? Like, So what I'm trying to say is that no one in the current and the previous generations had seen something like this and mm. everybody assumed that it passed by. In, couple of days or so and it then went to a couple of months and then people realized this is here to stay for a bit and i think that also led to people seeing a, because everything got shut so there was zero revenue no one including like tatas and uh, uh, you know your um, uh, aditya burlas of the world or you know uh, you know ambanis of the world or you know all of that none of them even the geo and the reliances hadn't seen like zero revenue apart from a few segments and sectors everything came to a standstill like You know, Adidas had to shut store. Nike had to shut store. Retail went into this thing. The malls were Mm. gone. So, you know, no one had seen this. Like, no one Mm. had seen a zero revenue cycle ever in their lives, right? So, which means now for survival, people had to go and solve for survival. Not to thrive, but to survive. I have to, from tomorrow, change exactly how I think and what I do, right? Like, for example, we would only seen masks in movies, World wearing masks was always seen probably in a place or a region or a city or a town. But suddenly the whole world was wearing masks. Suddenly the masks were like everybody looked the same in totality. It was a surprise. Everybody Mm. had to adapt. I couldn't think why am I wearing it. I had to wear it, right? Similarly, I was pushed in to reinvent how I think from a business standpoint in order to survive and not thrive. And people were catapulted into it, right? And naturally when that amount of intensity and timelines are put on your head and you have to catapult and not just one person but the world sort of mm. went in that direction, um, I think you will make mistakes, right? You will make mistakes. Uh, I think if they had a little bit more time, uh, they, you know, like for example, um, a lot of banks relaunched their apps. They were talking about digital banking but all they had in the name of digital banking is that they gave a tap to people to open accounts when they went to their houses, right? Pretty much... It was a pseudo way of digitizing, right? By sure. newer digitizing. But yeah, it did take away paper. It did make it green. It did make it more, uh, red, less red tape and make it more transparent and so on and so forth. But was it truly digital? I don't hmm. think so. But the banks suddenly had to, you know, reinvent their digital banking because, hey, you know, all people needed money. They can't go to the ATM. They had to process fees. So a lot of these companies suddenly had payment gateways on their websites. Some of the live websites came up. Some of the apps came up. Lighter was. Some of the larger companies who had no online footprint partnered with some apps for the retail pieces to come in and so on so so a lot of this happened now because they were catapulted in a lot of these things they didn't have time naturally they made mistakes Mm. and i've seen a lot of mistakes but i think what if you look at it from fast forward and look at it from a three-year standpoint i think they were mistakes that yes some people lost money some people made a lot of money with that mistake. Some people had to withdraw and close some of these platforms. Everything can't be digital as well, right? Some people thought we'll go completely digital and then realize, hey, the world has to be omni-channel in the wrong run and so on and so forth. But I think no one went completely off in the wrong direction. Hmm. There were mistakes, there was money lost, there were people projects shut. But I think eventually it catapulted us much more closer to the digitized world. Like for example, I would say the two years gave us what... 10 years of digitization could not do, right? Like, sure. And I think everybody needs a catalyst sometimes. So I think that was a blessing in disguise. So while I don't want to be insensitive, sure. but uh, it was a blessing in disguise from digitization standpoint. Both consumer facing and the backward aspect of things.
1: So, you know, in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned this whole acceleration of digital transformation, especially in the customer interface side of things thanks to COVID. Uh, this was, uh, you know, a, a pre- something that most people were not prepared for. What could have otherwise happened in 10 years had to happen in a year in that sense uh, the customer adoption was also high but that also meant a lot of mistakes were made uh, some of them very expensive mistakes and uh, they continue to get made by people who want to grow at a certain pace because they have a degree of fear of missing out because of all of this digital first action that's happening right so from an enterprise perspective uh, when let's say large retail fashion brands went to go online and they would end up making some of these mistakes what is your learning on you know those two or three major mistakes that people have made
0: but i think i'm going to start from the fact that not only mistakes were made on projects but uh, mistakes were made on acquiring companies and then they becoming zero revenue and zero employees and eventually you know letting go of writing off that as mm. you know off your PL sure. and so on. <laughs> so i think mistakes have been that aggressive of this is nothing of the this thing but having said so yes i think you rightly said so i think people were catapulted into change and i think a lot of that was beyond their control and specifically in that change, because you were forced to now take the experience to the customer's house, irrespective of the product or service that you were offering, whether it be in India or abroad, and you did have no other option. So people who were behind the curve any which ways and were taking it lightly or were on the periphery were suddenly uncomfortable and they needed probably injections to build their muscles, right? And that's how it went too, yeah, right? Like and, and a little bit of FOMO and everything else as well, right? And they had a lot of pressure because some of them had zero PNL. Right? because nothing was open, so they had nothing to sell or service. So they were in pretty much this thing, and as long as they could survive, otherwise the house would break. Right, and with that extreme, I think a lot of people just point blank started digitizing. Right, hey, you know, because it is what it is. So I make a website, I make an app, I make this. I think they didn't have a lot of time to think through, and in hindsight, they were big mistakes. But I think they were also mistakes because they were put into that by force. Hmm. Right, so that's having said so, right. But I think what we need to understand, right? Like before you decide to digitize a business, you know, why are you digitizing it? Who are you digitizing for? Is it a omni-channel experience? Is it just a pure digital experience? All of this has to be thought through. And how is it going to sustain beyond a certain period of time? Everybody knew, yeah, COVID mm. is going here to stay. But we knew there w- it might take two years, it might take three years or four years or whatever. But there will be a world which might change and deviate post-COVID as well, and things will open up. It might take time, right? So if people thought from a process that this was here to stay and this is the experience I would offer, I think they were here for failure. So what we saw was, you know, random uh, digitization projects coming in where apps were created, websites were created, the flows weren't thought through, the acquisition strategies weren't thought through, right? And uh, the tech stacks and what we need to bring along with it wasn't thought through, right? So you basically um, didn't even forget... Your acquisition wasn't thought to, to forget the retention part of it, mm-hmm. right? How would you engage? How would you communicate? How would your tickets come in? If there were queries, issues would call center be enough or you need to have a ticket of ecosystem as well, uh, you know, do you need to have an engagement product online because, hey, you know what, there is no salesman selling all of this today to educate, to you know, you know, all of that. So, right. So a lot of money was pumped in and I don't think a lot of people, because you were in desperation, you got anybody and everybody as a prof- customer profile online onto your platform and not everybody is online also. Did is still at a certain level of digital penetration? So, and retention was an afterthought for sure, right? Mm. So, I think there were a lot of mistakes made in terms of first of all, strategizing in terms of the longevity of the goal, longevity and goal and the vision of the uh, of the whole project and parts of the project. And then, I think it was, it wasn't thought through and hence, anything which from acquisition to retention to support and so many other things. One thought to and because it was a broken project hmm. and it wasn't this thing, it eventually fell apart. So a lot of, I think a couple of crores or millions of dollars were lost. People were let go of, uh, you know, a lot of negative things happened. But I think what that teaches us is that you know, the that brings back to the leadership that you have. If you are put into that pressure area, right? It's important and that's what leaders are, makes leaders leaders, right? You've got to think through the problem from a longevity standpoint and make sure that, yeah, there might be priorities that that you want to jump to, but hey, you know what, you can't forget getting the right uh, you know uh, for example acquisition strategy you can't go wrong with your acquisition strategy the consumer experience of your website or app has to be of a certain level the platform that you choose to build all of this on has to be right it has to sink into a larger construct of your uh, digital profiling retention has to be a pre-thought not an afterthought right because you can't keep pumping in money customers can't keep dropping off or you know uh Just buying using coupons and discounts. Eventually, all of this at some day has to become profitable. I think that's the buzzword. But all of this has to, right? The amount of money that you're spending on technology, people, these initiatives someday, even if it is an experience is short term and then it's going to, you know, become sustained or stabilized, has to eventually become profitable and has to add value to the larger business. I think that wasn't thought through. Mm -hmm. And eventually the pack of cards fell and a lot of money was burned and sad part is not just the money but there were people who were let go of and they are still being let go of right Um,
1: sure so so, i mean that's obviously a fairly mixed bag of experience but to you know kind of put it in a fewer set of words on what you're talking about is in the rush don't do stuff which is not going to sustain in in some sense right And 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 always
0: the unit economics no matter what you do the benchmarks uh, you need to be in control at all
1: times. You can't deviate too far. Fun fact that. is the traditional businesses, the way they've been built in India, have always been built up with a lot of enduring principles, with a lot of PNL sensibilities in mind. But somewhere all of this new economy action, all the VC money getting pumped into the ecosystem has probably led to a certain degree of fear in those traditional companies yeah, as well. There, for sure. Which is now leading to some of these uh, jumping the gun kind of plays and potential I think a lot of people sense.
0: just copy paste, right? You yeah. can't, right?
1: Like a business
0: which is not there for fifty years and just been there for five is doing something is is quite different from you might mm. take some elements out of it. You know, you use them for your business, but you can't just copy paste the whole business, right? Sure. I think a lot of times one of the biggest mistakes that people have made is that they've hired the entire or pushed the entire team of a smaller company think that they'll build a parallel thing. And that's, I think, a very bad approach in my opinion because Mm. then you're hiring them and putting them a vision of actually copy-pasting what they already did. Vis-a-vis saying, you know, what build a bit, what, how can you build this as per my current ecosystem? Mm. Because I have a legacy which is worth a couple of decades or more,
1: right? And which has its own set of strengths. And so very interesting to look at uh, how the digital transformation space has evolved, how the choices have become a lot wider than they were earlier, how intelligence in those choices also become more mature. So on that note, thank you so much, Apur, for this conversation. Very interesting, very insightful. We're going to try and summarize a lot of these learnings in various ways and distribute them wide. Thank you, thank you for you so having much. me, Ankur. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the State of Retention Marketing. I hope you found today's conversation interesting. I had a few takeaways. First, in today's day and age, a CMO can't look away from data tech anymore. Either you learn it yourself or you surround yourself with trustworthy people who bring that skill to the table. Second, choices made out of fear or chasing short-term outcomes have their pitfalls. Sustainable businesses will think through retention even if they're starting out acquisition. Third, a modern marketer is prepared to assemble his martyx stack with solutions that do one thing very well and talk to other systems. The days of a single behemoth solution are passe. Hope you're able to incorporate some of these in your decision making. See you soon again.